صباح الخير جود مورنينج دي ليسنز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Bringing you the news and views and the untold side of the Palestinian struggle for freedom from a Palestinian perspective. Welcome to another episode of Palestine Remembered. Today I am happy to introduce you to a, a dear, dear friend of Palestine, Mr. James O'Neill, who's a barrister and a former academic, Mr. James O'Neill. Good morning, James. How are you? Very well, thank you. We really appreciate you joining us, James, and it's a wonderful opportunity for us to hear from somebody like yourself. Now, James, you were a barrister at law and a geopolitical analyst. Yes, I, I had a stroke last year, which has... The main consequence of which is my memory has, short-term memory, has been greatly affected and I thought it was unsafe to carry on practice. So when my licence expired at the end of June of this year, I didn't renew it. So I'm I'm now officially retired, but writing to maintain my interest in the world. That's fantastic because we're going to talk about your writing in a minute, James. Take us through your history. I mean, it's not, sadly, it's rare for... Anglo-Saxons, and I know you're a Kiwi, which makes you a little bit better than the average bear, for Anglo-Saxons to come to Palestine. Take us on your Palestine journey, James. Well, like a lot of New Zealanders, I didn't know much about Palestine or take, frankly, very much interest in it until in the early 1970s, I was lecturing at the University of Bergen in Norway, and I became friendly with a an Englishman who was in the history department. And he basically was responsible for my education uh, about Palestine, as I say, about which I knew precious little. And ever since then, I've taken more of an interest in what's happening there. Uh, and in particular, of course, the, the appalling treatment and disregard for, of the rights of Palestinians and the total ignoring effect of international opinion as expressed in the United Nations and elsewhere uh, for what Israel has done and is doing to the Israeli people. To the Palestinian people. James, was there any one particular thing? Because often it's one thing. Now, you're in an academic world, so perhaps it's a little bit different. But like people that I've met along the journey, it might have been Gaza invasion. It could have been the massacre in Sabra and Shatila. Was there any one individual act? No, no, it was really a cumulative process. As I say, I started off with very little knowledge in the early 70s and gradually increased that. And the more I learnt about what was going on there, the angrier, in a sense, I became at at what was happening. I've, you referred earlier on to to um, something I had written Uh, that's roughly rare. I still don't write very much about that part of the world, other parts of the Middle East, certainly, but I've tended to avoid Israel, partly because 
living in Australia, uh, is a very strong, almost pathological support by the Australian government for the actions of the Israelis. That was manifested most recently, just a week or so ago, when there was yet another resolution in the United Nations condemning Israel's treatment of the Palestinians. It wasn't reported in the Australian papers, but there were eight votes in support, uh, sorry, eight votes against the motion. There were 40-something abstentions and around 140 voting in favour. Of the eight votes against, one was Australia, the others were Canada, Israel itself, the United States, and some minor Pacific Island nations. And the fact that that was a continuation of a long-standing Australian policy was not a surprise to me. The fact that it wasn't reported And most Australians, if you talk to them about it, are ignorant of the fact that Australia continually backs Israel in the United Nations. It is not reported in the Australian media. They treat it as, I'm not sure what their their motive is, but um, perhaps it's embarrassment at being such a minority supporter of a frankly racist and violent regime. We should make a mention, James, that Marshall Islands, the Federated States of Micronesia, yes. and Nauru, those three countries have got a combined population of 170,000 people. Yes. Yes, as I say, uh, they, they, they barely mention, uh, mentioned by name. They're just uh, inconsequential numbers. The fact of the matter is the overwhelming majority of members of the United Nations both in population and in actual numbers of members, overwhelmingly supported the motion, which condemned yet again the actions of Israel. And of course, yet again, it had absolutely no consequences on the behaviour of that country. For example, it continues to occupy Syrian territory. It has done since the 1967 war. That's a contrary to international law, never mentioned in the Australian media, never, ever mentioned. It really hurts my head that a country like Nauru with a population of 12,000, I mean, the reality is Israel will arrest and release something like 12,000 people this year on top of the sort of 8,000 they keep in their dungeons, annually Palestinians in their dungeons. Yes. But a country with a population of 12,000 people actually has some form of legitimacy or it has the legitimacy to vote on a simple question. Yes. And that resolution you're talking about, James, for our listeners, is the peaceful settlement of the question of Palestine. I mean, it's not really a um, controversial statement there. Surely that should be something that's unanimous. I'm not fussed about the fact that three, I think it was three, very minuscule nations voted with their colonial masters. The fact of the matter is, the overwhelming fact of the matter is, that the vast majority of countries in the United Nations supported the motion and it was opposed by Canada, Australia and the United States and Israel. And they will do nothing about it as they have done nothing about it for decades. And we had a period of time, the Labour government in the early 2000s or late 90s and 2000s where 
the yes. Labor government was voting in favour. We abstained for a little while in 01. 02, we were in favour again. 03, abstained. And then from 04 to date, yes. you know, under increasingly Kevin Rudd's Zionism is in my blood to um, Julia Gillard, you know, we're all Israelis when they're bombing Gaza, the smithereens, to Scotty uh, Morrison now wanting or flirting with the idea of moving the Australian embassy to Jerusalem uh, following Donald Trump. We're completely on the other side against. We've even joined the narrative, the Israeli narrative, that the United Nations is anti-Semitic. The the concept that everything that goes before the United Nations with respect to Israel is based on a a prevalence of a hatred of Jews just being Jews. Yes, my own view of that is complete and utter nonsense. There are good Jews and bad Jews, like there are good Christians and bad Christians and good Muslims and bad Muslims and so on and so forth. You don't categorise a, a whole religion on the bad behaviour of a proportion of that religion any more than you condemn uh, Islam because uh, there are Islamic fanatics wreaking havoc in some parts of the Middle East to dismiss a billion people, which I think is approximately the number of Muslims in the world, on that basis uh, would be offensive. And I take the same view about the the Jewish people. I have nothing against Jewish people whatsoever. It is the behaviour of the Zionist regime that runs Israel that is the offence which needs to be protested against and protested against again and again and again.
Lovers of Arabic music, that was the imitable Fayrouz with Anala and Saki, your Philistine. I won't forget you, Palestine. Now, just a couple of ads and stay tuned. Hi, Man's here from the Japarong Embassy. On October the 26th, after two and a half years of defending sacred women's country, the Embassy, family, friends, and supporters were forcibly removed from country by Victoria Police. The Andrews State Government, alongside Major Roads Projects Victoria, have begun their violent attack to desecrate the sovereign lands of the Japarong to make way for the duplication of the Western Highway between Buangor and Ararat. There are many old growth trees, one significant tree in particular, a 350-year-old yellow box gum, the Directions tree. She's a placenta tree who holds the DNA of the Japarong ancestors. She was felled by chainsaw at the hands of a government that is asking for a treaty with its first peoples. The embassy and its frontline protectors are calling out for your help. To find out more, including how to get to the embassy to help defend on the ground, visit the Japarong Heritage Protection Embassy's Facebook page. Educate yourself, donate to their chuff campaign and spread the word. 3CR supports the Japarong Heritage Protection Embassy. No trees, no treaty. This podcast was not produced in the studios of 3CR Community Radio, but rather under a kitchen table using a doona as soundproofing. But that doesn't mean the station no longer needs your financial support to stay on air. Our community is not just studios and microphones. It's people. People like yourself who during COVID-19 value independent community information and creativity more than ever. So, we're counting on you to keep us on air. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate and please support our June Station Appeal. Stay safe and thank you for your support. What do you make of the reality, and we've just seen in this past week, that China has now knocked $14 billion worth of coal on the head? that we live in a world where Scott Morrison is talking about our sovereignty not being for sale, that we live in a rules-based <laughs> order, yes. that, that we expect the application of international law, of world trade organisations, of you know the world courts to hold China to account for arguably illegal actions, mm-hmm. and yet we vote in favour or against resolutions condemning Israel's 53-year occupation of Palestine, let yeah. alone the 72 years of denying the rights of the Palestinians to return to their ancestral homes, etc. Actually, when you when you phoned, I was in the process of typing up a another paper I have written on China and and on Morrison's hypocrisy and his attitudes towards China, which are, are simply... He's simply a mimic 
for what's coming out of Washington. I don't think the man has an original thought in his head. He is he's simply a front man, always has been, probably always will be. A, a huge disappointment. So no, I, I don't I don't expect anything better from him. And every time he opens his mouth about with us about Israel threatening to shift the embassy there or China or a whole range of other issues. He, he, he is simply rabbiting on, uh, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing to borrow uh, from Shakespeare. Now, I'm just going to ask you, just with respect to your birth country, back to New Zealand, Yes, we've had the, the appointment of an Indigenous, a, a Maori woman, Nanai Mahuta. Yes. Foreign Minister. Yes. She's the first Indigenous Foreign Minister for New Zealand. I mean, she's an impressive woman. Yes. And in fact, sports a, uh, a Maori uh, face tattoo. Yes, yes, indeed. Now, Australia, yeah. New Zealand, Israel, the three countries are colonialist enterprises. They all have different layers or different states statuses of its Indigenous First Peoples. Yes. No question that New Zealand is far ahead uh, from a reconciliation and uh, a treaty basis, etc., to Australia and uh, Australia to then to, to Palestine, Israel. As you say, no question. <laughs> no question. What are your hopes there for Nanai Mahuta and New Zealand in a world context, let's in a Palestine context? What, what do you think might happen there? I, I don't know what her view on Palestine is. She's only just recently in the job. But what I have heard uh, her say, she has taken a different stance from her predecessor, who, who was a member of a, of a minor party that were in Winston Peters, yep. Winston Peters, who's now out of parliament. She is marking a space for herself. And just uh, yesterday, I think it was, she made a statement which distinguished herself from the other members of the so-called Five Eyes group of people. So I'm very optimistic that, that New Zealand will increasingly assert that independence. It doesn't need the Five Eyes. It's a, a hangover from literally decades ago. Cold War, yeah. Yes, in the 1950s, I think that, that deal was signed. Um, New Zealand has always taken a different view. Uh, I say always, but certainly in the last 30 years, it's taken a different view from the other members of the Five Eyes. It maintains good relationships with China, which is uh, very important to it economically. Um, and in, in subtle ways, like the statement by, by the new foreign minister, it's distinguishing itself on its views towards Israel and a whole range of issues. So I'm very optimistic that what she is, is doing. She clearly has the support of the Prime Minister. Uh, so it's a case of watch this space, but I, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic at this stage. Well, fingers crossed. You know, we know the parallels all too well between the struggles of our First Nation peoples here in Australia, the Indigenous Palestinians, uh, in, in Palestine and as well, the First Nations people of New Zealand. Well, New Zealand, New Zealand is, is light years ahead of Australia in terms of its treatment of the Indigenous people. 
they are an integral part of New Zealand society. There's huge intermarriage. They are represented in Parliament in greater numbers than their proportion in the population would nominally suggest. They they are they dominate the the All Black rugby team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just take take one illustration, uh, and the appointment of this lady as foreign minister, I, I think, is hugely symbolic. Also, in terms of although Peters himself was also Maori, um, but it's hugely symbolic. There's a word used amongst uh, black fellas, you know, the coconut. Winston Peters might have been the whitest indigenous person <laughs> ever to grace the earth. Yeah, I have to declare a personal interest. I, I've known Winston for the best part of 40 years, <laughs> and we don't belong to the same political party. I don't support the National Party or as he then was or even his new party. But... Um, He's an interesting man and more complex than people give him credit for. Okay. I apologise then if I, I've, I've not given him his due. No. So one, one of the things, you know, I certainly wasn't young enough to really participate too much in the anti-apartheid movement in the 70s, though I, I did attend yes. marches and stuff with my, my parents in my youth. But I do recall, and, and certainly my readings, just how how strong that movement was in New Zealand. Yes. Um, and, yeah. and whether it was the, the, the Springbok tours, etc. you know, now we've got, we've had the situation with the, the Rainbow Warrior and the French bombing that ship, you know, many years ago in the, in the 80s. Yes. To, to now an Indigenous woman being um, foreign minister. Am I being too optimistic to hope that what Israel craves is normalcy? D- don't talk about us. We're just like every other white country you know what they hate is being outed and so we've had a great big political movement within australia we've moved the labor party to a position now where the next labor government will recognize the state of palestine we were hoping that was going to be in the last election unfortunately scotty from marketing won that election and we missed that chance but it's now part of the labor party policy that they'll recognize the state of palestine and we've had some Scandinavian countries do it. What we need is the middle powers to be moving towards that space because yes. we need to isolate Israel. We need to isolate that apartheid regime. We need to boycott, divest and sanction it as we did apartheid South Africa. Am I being overly optimistic in hoping that between Jacinda and now Nanai Mahuta that we might be moving towards something like that? I, I think that you are, frankly, optimistic with regards to Israel, as long as it has the support of the United States, it is unlikely to change either its attitude or its behaviour. Okay. So if you want to change Israel, you have to change America. Yeah. And that's a much bigger task. It is a much bigger task. Though we're getting some, well, some of the stuff we're seeing out of the United States, whether it be Peter Beinhart, you know, who's a very staunch Zionist royalty, if you will, um, he's come out now in favour of a one-state solution, going from where he was, and this, he's an observant Jew, keeps the Sabbath, uh, right. where he is today. So we're increasingly seeing that, and we know uh, amongst Democratic supporters that the um, majority of Democrats now support the establishment of the state of Palestine. The yeah. majority of Democrats, registered Democrats support sanctions against Israel if it doesn't allow that to happen. Yeah. 
the two-state solution is a pipe dream, in my view. It always has been. Yeah. And people who profess to espouse it are, are simply paying lip service. It's not realistic in terms of the size, in terms of the economic capacity of the area. The, the, the fundamental problem is the insistence on having a Jewish state. If they were to get rid of that concept, just accept that Israel could exist as a unified state mm -hmm. with, with the Palestinian people playing a functional role in that state, that's the, the, the best prospect, I think, for peace. As long as they maintain the separation, there'll be endless fighting endless killing, endless suppression, and, you know, we go nowhere. Yeah. Go nowhere. A binational state where there's separation of church and state. Yes, it has to be a secular state. A secular state. We can create a constitution that allows for yes. that separation and protection of uh, all the peoples within and their right to uh, celebrate their God, however they might, the right That's to free expression, et cetera, et cetera. So... Exactly. That, 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 to my mind, is the only feasible solution. Well, you're, you're, we're in screaming agreement there, James. <laughs> One of the things, interestingly, about that, that work... I should move long enough to see it. That's not a question. Well, it's certainly how I end my prayers each night, James. Those numbers amongst registered Democrats in the United States, and even amongst some Republicans, yeah. in the absence of a two-state solution which is now, as we both know, impossible based on the fact yeah. that there's 750,000 Jewish settlers dotting the West Bank and connecting roads and infrastructure that would make a contiguous Palestinian state impossible if yeah. it was ever to be realised anyway. If a two-state solution couldn't be realised, the overwhelming majority of those people actually support a one-state solution. Yeah. And um, amongst Jewish people, the increasingly the youth, the Jewish youth movement is moving away from Zionism. Yes. The died-on hardcore Zionists, if you will, they are, you know, 90% of 70-year-olds, 88% of 60-year-olds. But then when they get to the under 40s and 30s and 20s, it's, it's sort of like 50-50. So, yep, yep. There's cautious grounds for optimism, but it's not going to happen quickly in my view. I agree with you. It's not going to happen quickly. The thing that we take hope in, the thing we take hope in, James, is that all of a sudden Nelson Mandela walked out of jail. Yes. There was a whole lot of work, but nobody thought the day before that that was going to happen. No, no. You know, the, the scales of justice tip quickly. They can indeed. And I sincerely hope that we're both alive for it, my friend, and we can enjoy a cup of coffee or beer in Jerusalem. I'd like to think that would happen in Israel-Palestine, but I, I'm, I'm not optimistic, frankly. It probably won't happen in my lifetime. But it's, it's, it is the only feasible solution. It is the only feasible solution. I agree entirely. James, we've got, only got a couple of minutes left. Right. Um, have you ever experienced any challenges for your um, Palestinian views in the academic world? Or No, no, no. My, my academic career... Um, which ceased some 30 years ago, 30 plus years ago. Um, and I've been a full-time barrister ever since. No, it didn't, didn't, it was not part of my academic life. So it, it, didn't, it didn't come up really. Well, James, thanks so very much for joining us today. 
and uh, we look forward to hearing about uh, much more of your work. What I'll do is I'll publish in the podcast James's article, which is Australian voting in the United Nations General Assembly reveals some unpleasant re- uh, realities. Thanks again, James, for joining us this morning. Thank you very much for having me. That was James O'Neill, barrister and geopolitical analyst. Well worth looking him up on the Google there and reading some of his other work, a significant intellect and well worth looking into. That's our last show for the year. Um, Boxing Day today. Merry Christmas to those that celebrated. Happy New Year. Wishing that 2021 is a better year for for us all, that we're out of the COVID misery, though I'm I'm really worried that that won't be the case. I'm sure that's concern held by most listeners, wherever you might be in the world. Our heart goes out, of course, to those Palestinians in Palestine suffering under the brutality of the Israeli occupation, whether they be inside 48, East Jerusalem, the West Bank, and particular those Palestinians in Gaza. We also send our thoughts, love and prayers to all the Palestinians in the diaspora, those in refugee camps forgotten in Lebanon and Jordan and those that are really struggling in Syria, the ex-Yarmouk refugees, wherever they may be around the world. You're in our thoughts and prayers and inshallah 2021 brings us hope. If nothing else, at least the orange beast will have left Washington. Not sure that Biden's going to be much good for us anyway. Let's end 2020 with a solemn thought and a solemn prayer and a hope that 2021 sees a free Palestine. Because there's never been a better time for a free Palestine.